You're listening to Daily Turismo Radio. Here's your host, Editor-in-Chief of DailyTurismo.com, Vince. Hello and welcome to Daily Turismo Radio Show, where we get to the bottom of things like why do OEMs discontinue cool cars, what is the best engine to put in my RX-8 because they all need, need new engines, and where did my whiskey go? Was it one of those kids who drank my whiskey? Today, I'm happy to have DT's co-founder, Seaflow, also known as Chris, join me in the studio over here in sunny, scenic Gardena, California, where the eggs are over easy and the easy-ups are over egg crates. As always, our producer, Ben, is hanging out in the back and not wearing pants. Uh, so, Chris, let's uh, kick off the show today with a little introduction and uh, talk about your, your first experience with Daily Turismo. So, uh, this, is, this is a funny story because... Uh, I used to work with you, Vince, as you probably remember, and uh, you know we've vaguely vaguely remember that we've got the uh, the Microsoft Link communicator going, and uh, Vince sends me this this little message that says, "Hey, check out this cool car site I just found. This is awesome." I'm like, "Okay, I'll click on it," and I open it up, and it's like, "What is this? Like, it's all like monochrome." It, and, like, it was awesome, letters. right? I I was it was like. I type back to, to to you, Vince. I type back, uh, this is like if someone went back in time to 1997 <laughs> and used all of the available <laughs> technology at that time <laughs> to make a copy of Bring a Trailer, and that's what I thought I was looking at. I'm like, what, what is going on here? But then I realized these things that this person wrote, that's like Vince says that stuff. <laughs> and <laughs> so, so then I realized, okay, this is Vince writing this website, and uh, I don't really know why, but uh, yeah, sounds like a good way to waste some time. So he's crazy, and that was maybe day five into the website or day two into the yeah, website. Yeah, I, was early I on. obviously hadn't ever heard of it before that yeah. point. Um, but uh, yeah, I looked back and I was like, okay, this started five days ago. Um, who is this kook? Oh, okay, I know who oh, this is. Yeah, <laughs> Vince, yeah. <laughs> so that was your your first experience with with Daily Turismo. Um, uh, thankfully, not not your last, um, but. Uh, on that subject of firsts, uh, I want to talk a little bit about about first cars. I think that's a good subject that all of our listeners can can resonate with. Um, so, so Chris, uh, tell me a little bit about your first car. What was it? So, well, the car I learned to drive in was actually a 1994 Plymouth Voyager, Grand Voyager, actually minivan. It was a like metallic burgundy color. It had the mouse fur interior. So, so you you were it a was, pimp. I, <laughs> <laughs> You're like 15, yeah, 16 year old pimp. It, was, okay. it it got all the ladies. Let me tell you, but. Um, you know, it was an automatic front-wheel drive V6. It would do some good, you know, br- one-wheel peel burnouts. I actually got had my first run-in with the cops in that thing, uh, drag racing my friend in our high school parking lot. He was driving an Aerostar. I was driving the Grand Voyager. He won every time. Hmm. So uh, we switched vans to try to figure out, okay, is it the driver or the van? Right. Now, and these are both uh, automatic vans. Yeah, they're both okay. automatic, but Aerostar's rear-wheel drive. So oh, okay. What he did is, before he got out of his van, he pulled the e-brake and he put his sweater over it, so I didn't know about it. <laughs> and so I take off in his van, and it's slow, it's dog slow, and he beats me in the Voyager. I'm like, what the? <laughs> so, and and then the cops came, but luckily I, you know, talked my way out of it because I was a decent kid at the time. I just made some dumb decisions. But so you pour beer all over your friend, and then just yeah, called ran away. Yeah, yeah, basically that was it. Um, but my actual first car was a 1966 Volkswagen Beetle. Uh, it was a uh, blue, repainted about three times. Um, it was an aborted Baja Bug pre-runner type project. My dad bought it for me for $600. Did, um, did you just call your Beetle an abortion? Cause that was yeah, it, well, it, it kind of is, but um, 
I've I've been in Christmas Beetle, by the way, <laughs> several times, m- many times, driven it. Uh, yeah, it's it is not the pinnacle of automobile anything, but um, it has a lot of character, and uh, it was uh, you know people say, oh, my dad bought me a car, and you have this image of this spoiled kid, you know, getting a, a shiny new Mustang or something. Well, this this thing didn't run; it was jacked up on terrible suspension. It had zero travel, um, so I fixed everything and uh, lowered it down to being like a couple inches off the ground of course in high school you want you want to look awesome so sure. rendered it basically undrivable um but I, I blew the engine on the freeway one day 805 freeway san diego uh threw a rod things still ran <laughs> um went through a couple engines but i learned how to do you know double clutching because the second gear synchro was and is terrible on that car so i learned how to double clutch on that car i learned how to uh how to induce some oversteer, uh, how to launch in a manual transmission car from a from a stop. Um, it, you basically became like a Porsche factory test driver. Yeah, pretty much. Um, you know, uh, the guys at Stuttgart they would call me occasionally, and I said, "No, I, you know, I, I need to go to co- this school. I need to go to college. I, right. I can't do this yet. Sorry." Um, so anyway, that's that's kind of my first car. I still have it. It's actually running really well right now, but it's in the brakes and the tires are in terrible condition. Um, so I'm thinking disc brake conversion, uh, all-terrain tires, and maybe turning it into like a rally beetle. Uh, w- with with 14 horsepower, do you, do you really need brakes? <laughs> or do you just sort of rely on like wind uh, resistance and like bugs? bugs when somebody cuts you off, uh, I've locked them up pretty bad. And uh, it's it's tires at this point that, that it really needs because it just turns into a cloud of smoke and you don't slow down. So <laughs> sounds like you're driving a sob. <laughs> No, it's not that bad. Uh, thankfully, I, I didn't uh, have that much of a brain aneurysm and buy a sob. But uh, who, who does that? <laughs> but anyway, that that was my first car. So what, uh, Vince? What what would your first car have been? Oh man, so um, you know the first car that was one of those uh, family kind of hand me downs to my older brother was this um, uh, Mercedes, and people say, oh, you know, he must have been rich, but it was a old diesel, you know, W123 uh, sedan with 500,000 miles on the clock. The slowest car in the world. Slowest possible car in the world, automatic transmission, uh, burned about a quart of oil every mile, um, dragged its tailpipes on the ground. Um, we one time, with four people in the car, we measured zero to 60 in 26 seconds. Um, wow. This was not n- not <laughs> a fast car by any imagination, but, you know, it, it did the it did the job. Um, but, but once I had a job, uh, I wound up um, – uh, I was in the market for a for a BMW 3 Series, like you know, a used E30 3 Series, and um, uh, this was a few years ago, and they were, they were cheap. There was no, you know, I didn't want to spend a lot. There was of money no on a stigma car. yet. Yeah, yeah, there was no there was no stigma. They hadn't. Um, I, this was before flat brim hats were even invented, <laughs> uh, and um, you know, I, I'm I'm getting ready to buy this car, and I, and I I tell my buddy, he's um. Uh, I, I I don't I don't want to call this guy a redneck, okay? But he was the kid who drove the El Camino in high school. Um, he, he was a character. Appalachian American, I think Sh- is sure, the term. Sure, sure. Yeah. Uh, and he he says, no, nah, you, don't, you don't want some import, you know, some some fancy German car. It's just going to cost you a bunch of money. What you need is Camaro. And I went and I and I test drove this 1986 Camaro. And uh, it was funny that the guy who, who, who was a seller was this older guy. And he takes a look at me and my buddy, and we're, we're young, you know, we're kids. And he says, here's the keys. Go take it for a drive. And at the time, I didn't realize what a good sales tactic that was. Because yeah. at the time, I would have thought, you don't give kids the keys to your car if you're trying to sell it. 
But in reality, what happens? Is we we drove it, and we're and we're you know hypnotized by the right. by the the torque and. The, hey Vince, I need to interject. How old were you? Uh, I was twenty. Your first car was at twenty. First car that I purchased with my own money was at twenty. Wow. I had Mercedes not, not before. Not calling you a loser. Or anything, <laughs> but go ahead. Did well, you even have your driver's license yet? <laughs> so I had my driver's license when I was sixteen. Okay. Okay. And and I actually learned to dro- drive cars when I was ten. So you're punished for for ten years driving these terrible Mercedes diesels. Well, and, and then it just came down to cost. Upgraded to a 1986 Camaro. <laughs> 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 I'm paying my way through college, and so I had this Mercedes, and and literally the the right front brake caliper stopped working. Okay, it was leaking, and and it was dripping fluid on the on the pavement, and so I wound up just using a pair of vice grips t- to. To yeah. cinch off the fluid, you know, it's like a, a tourniquet. That's good. Okay, yeah. and then I drove around on the left front brake and the rear brakes if they worked. It had uh, three more. I mean, right for another three uh, out of four ain't bad. Two years. Okay, <laughs> yeah. and literally it's because I, I wasn't about to take it to a to a mechanic and and be charged you know fifteen hundred dollars whatever it costs to, to replace brake calipers. Um. So anyway, so anyway, back I to get the nineteen eighty six Camaro. Camaro. Okay. Yeah. And um, you know th- th- this I I buy it um. And uh, it wasn't until a few weeks later that I realized that um, I'd purchased something with an electronic carburetor, okay, a Chevy 305 V8 that put out something like 165 horsepower, okay. It, it didn't – it was – you know, I was young. I was naive. Um, and I was, I was trounced by some dude in a stock, like, Honda Prelude, okay, not even a VTEC Prelude, just a regular Prelude, uh, same era car. And I realized I gotta sell this car. And within a week, I this was maybe a year later. I I, I sold the car, um, but my my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, recalls that we could easily find that Camaro wherever we went. Is you could just follow the trail of coolant up to the car. Oh yeah, because for some reason it constantly leaked coolant. It smells like maple syrup. <laughs> yes, uh, cats followed me everywhere. Yeah, uh, it was it was it was Canadians, good yeah. and bad. Yeah, yeah. Okay, for the next segment, I'd like to talk a little bit about car flipping. Uh, specifically... Like with muscles? Like just turning yes. them right over? It's ten people together. Okay, that's easy. Yeah. We'll do that right after this break. Let's talk a little bit about car flipping. So is that like flipping over a car, like with your hands? No, no, no. I'm not talking about physically When I was like in high flipping. school, we used to bug flip. We used to look for bugs and go flip them. Sorry, Chris. Really? Don't that flip my bug. <laughs> <laughs> I'll flip you. <laughs> that's, why they're, that's why they're round on the top. So it just flips oh right yeah. over it back It just rolls right over. And that's yeah. a good, yeah, good yeah. point. Yeah. Hitler designed them that way. <laughs> uh Okay, so car flipping. Let's let's talk a little bit about car flipping and and specifically car flippers. Okay, um, I'd like to start off with a few definitions, like what is a car flipper and and why should should you or I care about a car flipper? Uh, and a flipper is a is a short term owner of a used car who isn't a licensed dealer or a restoration house, 
Um, he's just a dude who's got a garage, and, and maybe he's got a shop that he rents. Hey, I got some nice cars here for you, man. Yeah, and, um, and, and, and there are many types of flippers. Okay, There's casual flippers, there's professional flippers, I'll say occasional flippers. Um, but the difference between Joe the used car flipper and Joe who runs Jack's house of used cars and mud flaps is that Joe doesn't have a business license. Okay? What's wrong and, with that? Well, it's just that um, he's an, if, if something goes wrong, you don't have a recourse. When right. you buy a car from a dealer, there's, uh, there's certain, most states have certain laws, uh, cooling off periods, um, which I don't know if California has those, but um, you expect a certain, uh, not a salvage title. Uh, there, there's a lot more things that the dealer has to go through in terms of uh, on the legal side that make it a little more transparent when you're dealing with um, that, that person. And if Joe's just an opportunist, uh, flips a few cars per year, that's sort of a casual flipper. Okay, but, but if this guy hangs into cars for a few months or years, he isn't a flipper. He's just a case of a dude with attention deficit. Hey, let's go ride our bikes. <laughs> uh, that that uh, thing. So like myself or you or uh, any of our friends. Th this is, <laughs> yes, um, I, I've been known to go through a few cars every year. But it's not like I'm I'm buying and selling a car within a short period of time. Right. I'm, I'm buying and selling many cars within a longer period of time. Yeah. There's a rotation. Yeah, it's you get bored with one, you move on to the next, and you want to, you know, recoup a little bit of your costs, but you're not making your living that way, right? And it's sort of the duration of that orbit, right? The, it's whether the the Earth orbits around the Sun or the Moon orbits on the Earth. It, it's a difference in how quickly um, you fix things, how much you drive it, how much you know about the car. Yeah, because whenever I buy, uh, you know, some random used car, I want to like drive it for a while. I don't want to just sell it. So I don't know if I could be a flipper. Well, I so enjoy it, you know? if you own a car for, say, six months right, and you sell it for a profit, okay, uh, chances are most of the buying public is not going to tar you with that flipper brush. brush. Um, people aren't going to say, this guy's a flipper. Again, not that that's a bad thing. I'm not trying to put flippers in a bad light. Uh, there are a lot of people on the Internet who do. There are a lot of people on the Internet who, who don't like it. Uh, but if, um, if you start flipping multiple cars at a time or, say, five or more in a year, people are going to take notice of it. And some states even have uh, motor vehicle departments that limit the number of private car transactions you can make in a year without becoming a dealer. I think it's six or eight here in California, something like that. Yeah. I know I've almost hit that limit <laughs> once or twice, but <laughs> but not quite. So yeah, and sometimes these guys, the the guys who are flipping cars for for essentially for a living, um, they'll get around this by not registering the car in their name um, and hand you paperwork with the previous owner's name on it. Right. Okay, so um, why why is that an issue when when you all of a sudden you see that and it, and it shocks you? Okay, you know, hey, this this guy doesn't own the car, um, and you know, should you walk away? And and my answer was always no, absolutely not. You can still buy that car, you can still be happy with that car, but you've got to you've got to approach the sale, the transaction in a different light. Um, and right. sometimes that flipper got a good deal on the car and just trying to make a buck. Uh, maybe he bought it from his aunt or maybe the guy next door died and, and he figured out the car was for sale and offered something small and wants to make a quick buck. And you're getting this rare, desirable, mint condition car. Yeah. So you're paying him a finder's fee, basically. That's not, yeah, there's nothing yeah. wrong with that. Yeah. As long as you realize what's going on. Yeah, now, I, now I wouldn't buy a Volkswagen Beetle that I've been riding in my neighbor's garage. Um, I don't think you would buy profit. any Volkswagen Beetle. Right, this so, is correct, yeah. yes. And not because of the Hitler thing. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, 
everybody wants to, to earn a living and, and everybody you know has the right to, to earn a few bucks no matter what they do um, and you might be a banker right fleecing people from their hard-earned savings at 15 percent epr okay and then you're going to go and judge the guy who's trying to earn a buck on a used car market yeah that's not yeah yeah it's, it's not yeah. really fair no. but but that's the that's the case so I'm, we're not going to not gonna, uh, you know um, have a moral discussion on, on whether it's okay to make money on a car if you're yeah, an opportunist. I think the point is don't immediately run away if you realize you're about to buy a car from a flipper. Yeah, right. and and the the real thing is, is that you should know before you even show up and see the car. You should know from talking to the guy okay, that there's some questions, there's some questions, there's some tricks you can use. The first thing is that whenever you first call, the first contact with a guy, whether it's a text or a call, all you say is you say, I'm interested in your car for sale. If he says, oh, okay, great, you know, what do you want to know about it? That usually means, not usually, that he is a, he's an owner. But if he says, which car? Which one? Yeah. 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 That's, and, the, that's the clue. Yeah. <laughs> now, you or I, I might say which one because at any given time, I might have multiple cars <laughs> for sale. Okay. But again, that, that's an attention think, deficit disorder Yeah. We issue. don't represent, you know, the the uh, selling public at large, I don't think. Yeah. So, um, so uh, and and I might just say you know do you want the rusty one or the one that drips oil on the driveway? Okay, so yes, uh, <laughs> exactly. Um, so Can I get those together, <laughs> right? Yeah. So so my philosophy on, on once you find out that the person is 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 flipping the car is you, you now have to realize that when you ask a question, you know, is this part original? Does this matching tailpipe bezel have the odometer always worked? Um, you have to be really careful with how you categorize that information. Okay, is it an authoritative authoritative statement, a guess? Can it be backed up by data? Is it something concrete? Uh, and you've also got to be more thorough on um, cars purchased remotely when you're dealing with someone who's trying to maximize his personal profit right. instead of just offloading what he considers a liability. Uh, and yeah. and Chris, you had an issue with a car that you you uh, tried to buy on the internet, and I then did. and then it wasn't. Uh, the guy later told you it was a little bit of rust, and then um, yeah. Well, actually, no, he didn't even tell me there was rust. It was a uh, it was a Celica, first generation Celica, that we actually put up on Daily Turismo, and uh, you know it kind of looked like okay, this guy's selling it for his friend, the original owner, the ninety year old Air Force retired pilot or whoever yeah, he that was. That was one of those geezer finds, yeah. Where they show the picture of the guy, the, the old with guy the cane. standing next to the car. I, it, love that. I mean, it you know it pulls the heartstrings. You go, oh, this is this is sad. This guy's selling his car, you know. But he's got detailed notes every single time he filled it with gas or changed the oil and all that stuff. And it was all looking great. And, um, you know, I had my my flight booked and I was ready to go buy this car and drive it back. And um, I was looking at the photos that the guy had up on eBay and I zoomed in. I, I found the, you know, the high resolution photos, which is always a great way to deal with, you know, remote car yeah. buying yeah, pictures. Uh, yeah. Just ask for the, the raw high resolution photos, not the 800 by whatever, but you know straight out of the camera so I, I zoomed in on the like the rocker panel area and I was like what's that I saw some funny business so I asked the seller okay what's going on there is you know does the car have any rust and uh you know it took the guy a few days but finally he, he put the camera down under on the ground pointing back up at the rocker panel and he's like oh yeah I I, I didn't notice that <laughs> and no. it it looked like a like a Rodin sculpture or something it was like you know. <laughs> it was like the like the uh, National Geographic like discovery the Titanic kind of video. Yeah, it was like you know stalactites and, <laughs> and <laughs> the you know large portions of the rocker panel were just missing and like covered with tar or some weird bondo or some someone had tried to cover it up, but it was obviously rusted really terribly. And the weird thing is, I even I had the guy take it to a shop for a pre-purchase inspection, you know, oh, a reputable right, yeah. shop, 
and uh, they didn't mention it. So I called them and said, hey, you know, why didn't you tell me about this? Um, you know, did the guy pay you off? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they said, oh, no, you know, cars rust around here. We didn't think it was a big deal. Well, okay. So, that you know, that's – I actually asked the guy if it had rust, and he lied to me and said no. But, I mean, you, you want to do your own research. Uh, yeah. Don't, don't take the guy's word for it on everything. Yeah. Uh, and and it, it's not uh, – you know, the, the, an owner, right, could have easily – lied to you in the same way sure right? that's not specific to flippers but yeah but but i think the the point is that the guy had a bunch of high resolution good pictures of the car yeah as opposed to that like there's sometimes lazy owners who'll take two pictures of a car put it on craigslist yeah. and have no idea if that's, that's rust that's actually better sometimes because they're not the opportunists they're not the ones that are trying to make maximum dollars they just figure oh i need to sell my old car so yeah. here's a couple pictures um, yeah yeah and so uh, you know not every single guy who turns a car for for money quick money or otherwise is is a crook and f- far from it no. you'll find many uh you know a lot of commenters readers and contributors in daily turismo have made monies on, on on cars um and you know they'll typically do all right on cars um that they don't buy from a dealer i mean you or i in, in the same boat we, we're, we're trying to to minimize the amount of depreciation that we pay on cars uh but when you figure out that someone's in it for quick profit, you got to sort of distance yourself from the story he's trying to spin. Right. It's this little old lady. Yeah. You know. Remove the emotional uh, component from it. Right. And then um, uh, look at it as the pictures and the car and, and, and what you're what you're looking at because it, it might have been registered to you know the the old lady, the mom, but the dude was pulling a Jesse Pinkman, cooking meth, disposing of bodies of Mexican gangsters <laughs> in Grandma's Dodge. Right. right, and you get this thing, and you think that, oh, I wonder if you know Grandma spilled some groceries in the back, and that's <laughs> that's decomposing remains. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. th- on the other hand, there are guys who started out as um, flippers, and then now they're legitimate car restorers or car dealers, right? So, um, finding out that these guys are working out of their house on cash is is a fine way to do business, and you sure. may actually save some money. Uh, they're not paying a bunch of overhead. Yeah. They're not paying um, expensive body shops. They're efficient, right? W- right, and you just sort of have to treat them the way you treat a used car salesman, okay, instead of a private party, and and that's that's kind of the big difference, right? Um, in fact, we've got a guy, uh, a, a commenter and a regular contributor in Daily Turismo, sort sort of a friend of ours now. We we, we know him through through email, um, who uh, regularly buys and sells cars, and uh, he's he's kind of making a living at it. Let's just call him Tony. Sure, and so. Um, Tony's going to continue doing this, and he finds some really, really cool cars. He's found some cars via Daily Turismo, right? And bought them and sold them later, and we've featured them. and And we're we always make it a point to be open and honest about that. And he's been open and honest with us on it. And you know, if he found a car that was a you know that Porsche nine twelve that I've always wanted to pay forty thousand dollars for, you know, because <laughs> oh, yeah. you know it's they're, they're they're such a good deal. They're so much better than a Volkswagen Beetle. Yes. <laughs> oh wait. <laughs> yes. Um. <laughs> And, you know, if he found the right one and I said, you know, that that's the one I want, um, I would have no qualms about buying it from the guy. And even knowing if he's recently put a put a paint job on it, right. um, done a bunch of mechanical work to it, uh, often you'll find that these guys put a lot of their time, their, their mechanical skills, their effort into making the car presentable, making it look nice, replacing parts that are broken. And they frequently describe them very well, too, and thoroughly. You know, this is all the work that I've done. This is the work that the previous owner has done. Um, you know, they've got records, they've got detailed information rather than just, oh yeah, you know, some, some guy worked on that car. I don't remember, like maybe a private seller might do. 
Uh, yeah. So yeah, there there's an advantage there too, I think. Yeah. Uh, okay, so now that we've we've talked about flippers, um, let's uh, let's flip it over to the next segment. We'll uh, do something we call the 10 second car review. Ben is going to ask us uh, our honest and quick opinion about a particular car. Okay. okay. A timer will buzz after 10 seconds, and okay, maybe we'll just have a, a and clock is, in front is of us. Is there a prize, or uh, is this just for entertainment value? Uh, the loser has to do 50 push-ups, which we won't, we won't podcast because oh, that yeah, doesn't make no. sense. Okay, so let's let's get this started. The first car is a Mitsubishi Evo 10. Vince. Yep. I love the Evo 7, 8, 9, but honestly, the Evo 10 just looks like sort of this inflated fat cow version. I can't get over the looks. Chris, your car is the Saab 99 Turbo. A uh, car made by a uh, madman. Um, something that is totally unlike anything you could buy today, but somehow I still like them. They're still fun to drive. And Vince, your next car is the E30 Generation BMW M3. Actually, you know what? You're not even going to get to talk on that because BMWs <laughs> suck. Chris, your car is the Mercedes-Benz W123 sedan. Uh, super solid, slow, uh, other things that start with S, um, salubrious, I don't know. They always smell good. They smell good. On the but inside, there's mine, that horsehair stink. Mine smelled like uh, french fries. <laughs> Vince, your car is the Honda S2000. I, I've driven multiple S2000s, and I can say they're one of the best handling cars you'll ever drive, and the engine's phenomenal. It's, no still, a, it's still a Honda. All right. Chris, your car is the Oldsmobile Omega. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if there's a way I can pass, but I think this is probably one of the worst badge-engineered pieces of turd ever made. It's an Oldsmobile, man. Jeez. It's a car for old people. Vince, your car is the 1977 Pontiac Can-Am Le Mans Sport Coupe. Okay, this is one of the highlights of the Malaysia era for me okay, because it's a it's a big car limited production and they're cheap big engine crazy graphics i love it all right the next car chris is the porsche 924 uh it wishes it could be a 944 <laughs> um i still like them but it's uh it's it's a good way to get a cheap porsche and vince the final car is the porsche 928 oh that's the, the best camaro that ever come out of germany <laughs> Fantastic cars, great seating position, fast, fun, unreliable. Love it. Don't okay. ever look under the passenger footwell at all those weird relays. Oh, yeah, the, <laughs> the, the wiring is just a nightmare. Uh, all right, Ben, hey, thanks for uh, stepping in as the interviewer. I think in future future versions we might uh, change change the roles around a little bit, um, especially since you didn't like the E30 M3, which I was just going to complain about how much they cost, but I we don't like them either. We don't like them okay. either. When we get back, we're going to answer your questions about DT cars and whatever else. And we're back. 
In this next segment, we're going to take some uh, questions from from readers of the com and listeners of the Daily Truth Radio Show. Uh, if you have questions yourself, you can email them to tips at dailytourism.com. And if they're interesting, we'll we'll air them on the podcast. And if they're terrible, we'll just delete them and um, add your uh, email address to the spam um, indicator so that we don't have to see your emails anymore. Um, today's first and only question comes from a uh, K2 mystery car who uh, conveniently he asks Seaflow a question. So he says, I'd like to know what Seaflow, uh, Chris, thinks is going to be the next big fad in Cardam. Two strokes, mood ring paint, soil and cream powered engines, or something else. Chris, take it away. So thank you, Vince. That was a nice segue. Uh, I actually wrote a segue recently <laughs> for the first time. Uh, really? Yeah. At, I was at a Formula One race at Montreal. Uh, they had a little segue, uh, tri- you know, try out, thing, pay five bucks and write a segue around. And it's harder than it looks, that, actually. That sounds awesome. Uh, and so you sort of were Paul Bar- Mall cop? Yeah. So, you know, the thing is you have to lean forward at all times to go forward. And they have you go over, like, this little ramp. And it's it's kind of disconcerting. Like, y- you want to pull back. But, uh, you know, you can't because then, then the Segway will go back. And it goes into, like, this weird oscillation and it starts jerking around. And so uh, you just have to, like, power through it. And I, I struggled with that. But figured it out and the so. segue could could sort of <laughs> deal with your huge head <laughs> now chris is laughing but but chris has has a, a relatively large large head yeah so I, the cg was thrown off a little bit i think yeah we had to not... special order headphones so chris wasn't in last week for the for the radio show yeah so. we're waiting for the the truck to show up with the giant headphones but the, the really big truck yeah they're here yeah so I so, have them now. so k2 mystery car <laughs> yes one of the uh the most frequent commenters on dailytrickson.com these days um and he 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 ruffled some feathers early on when when he when he joined but now he's sort of becoming part of the 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 community and actually we're gonna sort of invite him to the back door and uh we'll bring him into producer ben's uh living room (laughs) later on you say that (laughs) (laughs) not a literal sense we'll bring him into the into the the family studio um so that but that means that you have to answer his question Uh, yeah that's right okay so he wants to know what the next big trend is um I would say uh, turbochargers would be the next big trend, but that's that's already the trend. Um, you know, I can I can talk about this because it's what I do every day for for my job. Um, but like, take a look at BMW. Ten years ago, they had zero turbochargers. Today, yeah. you cannot buy a BMW without a turbocharger on it. Yeah. So that's you know, ten years ago, five that's years ago, change. people were talking about that's the next big trend. Okay, well, it's here today. Now that's the trend. You know, yeah. we see some electric cars coming in. We see. Uh, you know, Tesla, Nissan, a bunch of companies now have electric cars, Chevy, Fiat. That's the future. I mean, that, that's right now it's kind of, uh, you know, experimental, I would say. It's still in its infancy. But between turbocharged en- internal combustion engines and electric cars, I think we have electric turbochargers. So that's being developed right now. Uh, they're being used in some of the top levels of racing, such as Le Mans, such as Formula One. Um, does that wacky Nissan, that front drive Nissan, does that use electric turbo, or is no. that just a conventional? Okay. No. Um, so, in any in any case, uh, you know, you're going to start seeing some electric. You could call them either turbos or superchargers, depending on how they're set up. Uh, but they're going to eliminate boost lag. They're going to harvest energy from the exhaust. That's going to go back into charging batteries. That will then run electric motors that drive the wheels. So, there's another level of uh, hybridization, I guess, that's coming that hasn't hit 
production cars yet. So I think that's the next big thing. This is the final lap on Daily Turismo Radio. For today's final lap, I feel it's appropriate to mention the recent passing of Jules Bianchi. Uh, my own personal experience with Formula One has been in the post Ayrton Senna uh, death period where safety is sort of taken for granted. Uh, Ernest Hemingway may have glorified the danger inherent in motorsport and bullfighting, but it is unacceptable uh, in modern world to expect entertainers and athletes to risk their lives for a paycheck. So our thoughts and prayers are with the Bianchi family, and uh, we hope this brings new perspective into uh, safety in Formula One. Yeah, and the sad thing, I think, is that this accident that he was in back in Japan last year was totally uh, preventable. Um, you know, his, his car ran into a crane truck that was picking up another car that had, uh, that had gone off the track, and that crane truck didn't need to be there. I mean, I'm sorry, but you can leave a race car off in the runoff area as the rest of the race finishes. If a, if a car on the track hits another car that's sitting there without a driver in it, that's not going to be a big deal compared to a car or a driver's head hitting a crane truck. So they've talked about the virtual safety car and yeah, they've implemented things. Helps, okay, yeah. the real solution is don't put the crane trucks on the track when the cars are on the track. That's the yeah. solution. Yeah, And it's sad. So anyway, we, we, we do uh, wish the best for uh, the family of Jules Bianchi. And on that sad note, that's all the time we have for the Daily Tourism Radio Show today. I'd like to thank my co-host Chris, also known as Seaflow uh, on Daily Turismo, <laughs> and uh, producer Ben for his fantastic work sitting here without pants on. And if you uh, are listening to this on iTunes, I'd like to remind you to give us a positive and favorable rating, and also be sure to follow us on the Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Daily Turismo. And follow us on Twitter at Daily Turismo, hashtag DT Radio Show. Until next time, keep on wrenching. You've been listening to Daily Turismo Radio. You can follow the show on Facebook at Facebook forward slash Daily Turismo and on Twitter at Daily Turismo. Use the hashtag DT Radio.